The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit grove.church. We continue our series, Grace Next Door, and I'm excited today to talk about forgiveness. You know, when I think about this topic of grace, I always imagine, um, you know, like a family tree. How many of you ever done like one of those family trees? You like write out, you know, different people. And a lot of times when you have kids, there's different family trees. And so like, you know, you have mom, dad, and then siblings, and aunts, and all that. Well, I think, you know, this idea of grace, what Pastor Nick talked about being undeserved favor, I think if you had a family tree, forgiveness is going to be jotted right down on there. And so today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. But a couple things before we get started into the message, um, a couple things I'm really excited about. One of them is the, one of the videos that you sh- saw, and that's Life Groups. They all launched today. We have 39 groups that are launching all over Snohomish County this week. Um, and man, it's an, it's an awesome opportunity for you to get connected into a life group. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not dialed into one yet, we have great opportunities for you to do that. You can head in the lobby and talk to someone at the table. But I believe we grow best in the context of a life group, and we grow best when we're connected to others. So I want to encourage you to get plugged in into a life group this winter session. Another thing you're going to hear more about today from uh, Jordan is Grove Collective. This Friday night, it's a great opportunity for you and your family. It's a worship night. I think Jordan and the Grove team are doing a great job um, with worship every single week. And uh, Grove Collective, it's more of an extended time of worship. One of the cool things we're doing uh, for this one coming up on Friday is we're inviting your elementary kids to be a part of that experience for the first 20 minutes, and so they'll get to worship with you in service, and I think family worship is a cool thing, and so you'll be seeing that um, this Friday night. Well, on Christmas Eve, I spoke about how I had this epiphany um, that I'm an amazing father, and, um, and that epiphany came about in that I lost my kid in Macy's over the holidays, and, and that I let her play with steak knives. And so, um, so, yeah, definitely falling short in that area. But I also had another epiphany this week um, that works perfectly for this message, that I'm, I'm an amazing husband. And so um, it's, it's pretty amazing. So uh, last weekend, my, my wife had an uncle in town from the Boston area, and so her and her family were hanging out down in Shoreline at her aunt's house. And uh, her and her siblings all were given a gift from her grandmother, who's passed away now. And so um, it was a real special gift, obviously, you know, because her, her grandma's passed. And so... Um, she came home and had a great time, and so I came home this week on Tuesday night. Uh, we were getting ready for dinner, and we have this little mantle area where I keep my phone charger plugged in my phone, and then all of a sudden, I saw this, 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 this thing on the mantle that, that looked like this, okay? This is like a, a picture frame hook thing, you know, where you put on your house, and you hang, and so, um, you know, as a good father, you know, I don't want my daughter to choke on that if it falls and has a nail in it or whatever, and so I proceeded to put that thing in my pocket, and then I proceeded then, you know, at some point in the night, just to, you know, huck that thing away. Like, man, I don't want her choking on that. You see where this is going. And so, um, <laughs> next day, I got a text from Amanda, and she goes, um, I, I got this charm um, from, from my grandmother, and uh, it, was, it was on the mantle, and I'm like, huh. <laughs> Charm, like you're talking like lucky charms, <laughs> like like charms, like like what what are we talking about here, you know? And so, uh, you know, this is all through text, right? She's like, you know, where is it? And I knew where it was, right? <laughs> okay. And so I'm like backpedaling in the text, and like, you know, check my sweatpants, and yeah, maybe I left it on my 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 dresser, and yeah, maybe check check my check my coat. I mean, I was lying. I knew what I was doing, but I but, but I was scared for my life. Okay. <laughs> okay. So so okay. So, um, so a few minutes later, I got a call. She's like, you know, I can't, I can't find um, 
this charm that my grandma, you know, that my aunt gave me from, from my grandma. And I, and I said, well, what does it look like? <laughs> she goes, well, it's gold, and it looks like a cross. I'm like, okay. So not only did I throw her charm away, I threw Jesus away too, okay? <laughs> so this is, this is going good. So, I, I, you know, I just said, yeah, you know, I, I threw it away. <laughs> so you did what? Yeah, I, I threw it away. Well, I thought it was the, the hook thing, and so, you know, we're going back and forth. Man, I, I felt horrible, so I raced home. Man, this is like a Wednesday. I raced home, and I, you know, we hadn't taken the garbage out yet, okay? And so I am just digging through this garbage can, trying to find this tiny little charm. Um, that's, and so I, I, at one point, I'm digging, you know, you know, we're, you know, my wife's there, and our daughter's there, and we're lo- I'm looking, and oh, it's just gross, you know, and so I'm digging, digging, and then all of a sudden, like, I really felt like the heavens had opened, and like, Jesus was rising again, okay, and so I, I see, I see this, and I'm like, there it is, crisis averted, we found the charm, crisis averted, but, yes, but, hypothetically, if I didn't find it, and I had thrown it away, and it was lost, I mean, yes, there would have been some conversations, and I think, yes, my wife would have been hurt, but I do know my wife, and I know that she would forgive me. She would let it go. Now, my point of this story today is not that it ended well. There's a lot of stories in life that don't end well. There's a lot of things that happen in life that don't have that kind of ending. But the reality of it today is that if you've lived on this planet for any length of time, you are going to experience hurt. You are going to experience pain. You're going to experience times where people do things to you or you do things to others that are at times what they feel like irreparable. And there's going to be moments in our lives where we have situations and circumstances that we wish we could change and we wish they could be different, but sometimes they just happen to be a bad experience. Somebody does something to you that's hurtful. Something happens to your family. Something happens to your kid. And I'm here to tell you today that in our world, it's very easy to hold those things. It's very easy to keep those things. It's very easy to write people off. It's very easy to say, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to let it go. It's very easy to do those things in our world today. It's the whole idea of this series, Grace Next Door. Not just your physical neighbor, but grace next door in every avenue of your life. That in our world today, there's so much hostility, so much anger, so much mean speech, that it tends to be the easy and the normal thing to do just to write people off and always hold things against people. And I'm here to tell you today, and Jesus even more so, that his way and his rule and his guidance for us is a far different approach than what we see in our world today. In the passage that we're going to read today in Luke 7, we're going to meet this gal, okay? This gal, honestly, it's an unfortunate situation because this gal is just basically labeled as an immoral woman. She's a a person that has sins that are many. She She has a record. She's got a lot going on in her life, and yet she's about to meet Jesus. But in this story, I want you to recognize that this person, this gal that we're going to meet, man, the, the text says her sins... I tell you, they are many. And I think it's important to understand where she's coming from and what Jesus has to say to her and the people around her. Let's read the text here today. This is Luke 7, 36 through 50. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, 
she bought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping, her tears, her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly gave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered. I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home... You didn't offer to water the, to, to water to wash the dust of my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and has wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, which I spoke of briefly before we read this, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. She has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The man at the table said among themselves, who is this man? That he goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray for God's word today. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the work you're doing here at the Grove Church. God, it's exciting to be here and a part of the family of God, and we pray you would continue to speak through your word, God. We thank you that your word is alive in us, God, challenging us, God, shaping our character, and we pray, God, it would continue to do so today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the people in this story, let me just break this down for a few minutes. The people in this story, you have Simon the Pharisee, okay? He knows the law. He knows the Jewish law. He invites Jesus to his house. He's a person who's steeped in traditions. He knows all the regulations. He knows all the customs. And the Pharisees, there's this theme all throughout the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These Pharisees, they're always trying to catch Jesus in saying or doing something wrong. Plotting his death, questioning his authority. We see that when when they say, who is this man that can even forgive sins? The interesting thing about Pharisees if they, were, if they were like this type of a person today, these individuals are people that love to point out other sins. They love to expect perfection from people. They love to point out when you're doing things wrong. And they love to make you feel bad about it. This is the kind of people that the Pharisees were known by. And so we have Simon. He's inviting Jesus into his house. But there's these customs. There's these different things you're supposed to do. Greeting and washing feet. I mean, obviously, in that day and age, there wasn't nice shoes like we have. It's probably just a basic sandal. Okay, roads, muddy, nasty, right? So these feet are gross. And we have a woman. I think the sad part of this story is the woman has no name. Her name in this story is the immoral woman. That's how she's identified. Not only is she identified by 
her immorality, but she's also identified by her sins. Her sins, there are many. Her mistakes, more than likely, are out in public for people to know and see. This is a person who's got some hurt inside of her and has caused some hurt on others. This is a person whose sins are many, who's got some mistakes, who's got a pile of things that have gone wrong for her. And so we see that she's about to meet Jesus. You see, the interesting thing about this immoral woman and her sins that are being many, I mean, the text doesn't tell us, but we can assume that her sins, if they're many and there's things going on in her life that are not good, that her sins are being affected by people that she knows. They're being affected by her community, by her family, by her relationships. And it's just a great reminder for us that when we miss the mark, when we fall short, when we don't always measure up to what God has for us, it's never isolated. Sins are never isolated events. Decisions and choices that are contrary to God always affect other people. They always have an effect on a person, a spouse, a kid, a family, a workplace, always. It always affects others when we make mistakes. So we have this immoral woman, but she recognizes her sin. She recognizes the things she's done wrong. She recognizes that she's at fault. She recognizes that she's not good yet. And so she starts practicing what, what really the, the studies tell us is this expensive perfume and this deep sense of repentance. In light of her sin and what she's done, she sees Jesus and recognizes, man, all I can do, all I can do here is bow and cry and weep, pour this jar on his feet and clean his feet with my hair because I know that I messed up. And I know I've done things wrong. And I know I'm immoral. But I know this person can do something about it. And so all I can do is repent in the deepest way possible by washing his feet. This is who the immoral woman was in the story that we just read. Back to Simon. Man, he can't believe what's going on. He's like, if this guy's a prophet and he really is, you know, has authority, man, why is he even letting this, this gal touch him? That, that was not allowed in that day. Why is, why is he allowing her to touch his feet, let alone? So he's got all this issue with the way that she's responding to Jesus. Because he believes that Jesus came for healthy people. But Mark reminds us that Jesus came for the sick people of the world. Jesus, and then you have Jesus. I like to call him in this story, he's like, he's like the great equalizer. He like levels the plane. He like says what everybody needs to say. And he gives us this, this simple story. He's also like the great storyteller, right? He's always got these parables and these ways to help us understand what's really happening in the story. And he goes on to give us this basic parable. Guy loans people money, 50 and 500 pieces of silver, 500 pieces of silver, equivalent to about two years of wages in our day and age. 50 pieces of silver, about three months of our wages today. And neither person in the story could repay him. And so the man forgives the debt. In this story, I want you to hear what Jesus asks Simon when he explains this story. He says, Neither of them could repay them. This is verse 42. So he kindly forgave them both canceling their debts to Simon. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, 
And he goes into all the things that he, she's doing for him. You neglected the courtesy. And then he goes to say this, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. You see, the Bible teaches very clearly that receiving forgiveness requires forgiving others. The Bible teaches this very clearly, that if we are going to receive the forgiveness and the great mercy of God, then we must in turn offer forgiveness to every person who has wronged us. Even in Colossians 3.13, it says this, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now this is where things get a little dicey. Because when we talk about forgiveness, we always want to know what it is and what it's not. And I'm doing my best today. There's a lot of content here. And I'm going to help you out. We're going to put this link on our Grove Church page so you understand kind of where this is coming from. But I'm going to rattle off about seven different things. I took this from Focus on the Family, a great organization that helps families. And the link will be available to you today. But I want to read to you what forgiveness is, what it isn't, and get you to understand a little bit where we're coming from with this idea of forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness. It is not a feeling. It is a decision. If forgiveness was based on feelings, we probably would never forgive. Because we don't always feel like forgiving a person who's wronged us. We don't always feel like forgiving someone who's offended us. But forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision that we must make, and it's a requirement from Scripture that we need to forgive. These next ones are about what forgiveness is not, and I think they're really important to understand. Forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. We can and should still hold others accountable for their actions or lack of actions. Forgiveness is returning to God, number two here, the right to take care of justice. By refusing to transfer the right to exact punishment or revenge, we are telling God we don't trust him to take care of of matters. You know, Nick brought up a, a movie last week that I, I, thought, I think is an awesome movie, but it's called um, Taken. Have you ever seen this movie, you know, Liam Nielsen, Taken? Well, maybe you brought up a different one, but this is one I thought about. You know, in this movie, he, um, he loses his, do- you know, his daughter gets, you know, kidnapped or whatever, and, you know, at one point in, the, in this movie, he has this uh, conversation with this guy, and he's like, I have a special set of skills one that you don't want to see, right? And he's like threatening the dude. And, and then the guy's like, good luck. And then the whole movie is about <laughs> Liam Nielsen like going after this dude, you know? And it's, it's awesome, you know? You're like, yeah, get him, you know? And now that I'm a dad of a daughter, like, yeah, get him. And then like, you know, yeah. And so in that movie, it's like in, in, in a movie, we're like, yeah, get him, get him, take him out. But in life and in what God says, We can't be that way. As followers of Jesus, we can't exact punishment on people. We can't want to repay evil for evil. As much as that desires in us, we must allow God to take the justice of the situation and handle the matters in his time and in his way. Number four here, forgiveness is not letting the offense reoccur again and again. We don't have to tolerate, nor should we keep ourselves open to it. Lack of respect or any form of abuse. Ties into this next one. Forgiveness does not mean, number five here, that we have to revert to being the victim. 
Forgiving is not saying what you did was okay, but go ahead and walk all over me. Nor is it playing the martyr, enjoying the performance of forgiving people because it makes our victim role even more prevalent. See, what these two are saying here is that if someone's in a situation that's ongoing and the, the offense is reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring, man, for goodness sake, get out of that situation. For goodness sake, get the help that you need. You're not called to be a victim. You're not called to be a, a martyr. And forgiveness is not just letting someone continue to hurt and hurt and hurt. That's not forgiveness. That's abuse. And you need to find the resources and the help because that's not okay. Forgiveness is not the same, number six here, as reconciling. We can forgive someone even, even if we can never get along with him or her again. You know that that's true? That there's sometimes situations in life that are so heavy, that are so deep, that sometimes we can forgive a person or forgive a situation, but for whatever reason, we can no longer associate ourselves with that because it just, it just can't happen. It's not the same as reconciling. Lastly, forgiveness is a process, not an event. It might take some time to work through our emotional problems before we can truly forgive. But as soon as we can, we should decide to forgive. But it's probably not going to happen right after a tragic divorce. And that's okay. It's a process. It takes time. You know, when I think about forgiveness and the power of this truth, it makes me think of one of my other favorite stores, and that's Costco. How many of you love Costco? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for Costco, okay? I love Costco. It's the second best store on the planet, okay? You already know the first one, okay? All right, Costco, okay? Costco's awesome. I love Costco. First of all, you have to have a membership card so you feel cool, right? It, it doesn't cost barely anything, but you're like, yeah, buddy, I got one, you know? It makes you feel great that you have a card that identifies with the company. It's awesome. And so you walk in, and man, immediately you go to the sampling. My mom's a sampler, so I'm always calling her. I'm like, hey, what's Everett sampling? Maybe I'll stop by, you know? And I love samplers, man. It's awesome. Samples are the best. If you don't have lunch plans today, go to Costco. You'll get a full stomach. It's awesome. But it's, it's amazing, man. Total paper, everything. In bulk, it's amazing, okay? I love it. One of my favorite places in Costco is in the back where all the meats are. You're like, ah, yeah. You know, but there's also this area. It's like the rotisserie chicken area. You ever see that before? And you're like looking at them, like as a meat, like a kid, like, oh. And then it just kind of spins. You know, there's like flames. Like, oh, fire. You know, it's awesome. But yeah, <laughs> rotisserie chickens. Okay, there's a point to this. So what, what, there's a point. So forgiveness, honestly, someone told me this years ago. I'll never forget it. They said, they said forgiveness is like this. When, or maybe I should say it like this. Unforgiveness is like this. When you choose to hold unforgiveness in your heart, when you choose to harbor those things, it's like you're putting a person on a rotisserie in your mind. It's like you, you, you start with someone offends you, someone hurts you, something happens. Then all of a sudden, you're stewing about it, because we all stew. And then the, the more and more you stew about it, the more and more unforgiveness starts to reign in your heart. The more that bitterness starts to take root in your heart, the more grudges start to take root in your heart. And what ends up happening is you begin just to roast that person in your brain. Man, I wish that they, and this, and that. And all you're doing is just roasting them over and over and over again. That's the power of what unforgiveness can do in our lives. Let me ask you a few questions here as we wrap up. Are your sins many? 
Have you fallen short? You know, we meet the immoral lady, and we recognize that her sins are many, and we're all like, whoa, her sins, they're many, not mine. No, 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 no. Bible teaches, man, we all miss the mark. Bible teaches we all have stuff. Bible teaches that there's times when we don't always do the things that we should do. And so the next question of that is, have you been forgiven little or have you been forgiven much? See, because a person who's been forgiven little loves little and forgives little, but a person who's been forgiven much, a person who recognizes all that Jesus had done for them, a person who understands that it was, if it wasn't for his grace and his mercy, I would not be the person I am today. When you recognize how much you've been forgiven, when you understand the weight and the, and the sin that Jesus took for you and for me, you realize, wow, I've been forgiven of so much. Well, then you should forgive others that much. You should forgive others that much more. You see, I believe with every fiber in my body that your ability to have joy in this life, hope that is encouraging, and a grace that is wild and alive has everything to do with your ability to forgive. Man, you want to harbor unforgiveness? You want to grow cold towards people? You want to write people off? I believe you block the blessing of God in your life. I believe you block joy in your life. I believe you block purpose in your life. And I believe eventually your soul becomes a hardened, shrinking person that has no excitement, that has no passion, because you will not let things go. It's that powerful, it's that real. That's why Jesus talked about it so much. How many times should we forgive? Seven? No, 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 70 times seven. Why is it such a big deal? Because it matters a great deal of what we've received from God. Now, I want to do something very intentional today. Because like we've been saying, I believe truth demands a response. And I believe God's word is truth. And so I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to get out this communication card. And you're like, well, you know, maybe I didn't get one when I came in and I missed the program. That's okay. We put them in the seats in front of you. So all around your seats there, hopefully a neighbor can help you. You can find one that should be there in front of your seat. But I want you to grab that card today. I think this communication card is an important thing here at the Grove. And we mention it a lot. First of all, it's an important thing because it's a good opportunity to receive prayer. You know, we do the prayer kind of the middle of worship here, but a lot of times there's other things that you need prayer for. Man, you put it on the card, we follow up with you, and we pray for you. I love that we do that. Great opportunity to find more information about things happening at the Grove, but I want to be very intentional about this. It's today, the second box there, it says, today I choose to forgive, and then it has a blank. I want to provide some clarity to this so you understand just kind of where we're at with this conversation. You know, it would be a little difficult if every single one of you put a name on that blank right there. In part because, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Dave Etchie here has got an issue with me, okay? So it's like, okay, all right. Um, or, you know, maybe so-and-so has an issue with so-and-so. And so I'm not asking you to write a physical name on here, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And in your mind and in your heart, I want you to think, about what it is that you need to forgive today. I don't know every story, I don't know every circumstance, but I know God's calling each one of us to forgive. But because of the sensitivity of that, I want you to be careful to not write someone's name on there. But I want you to ask God, man, Lord, what is it that you would have me forgive? Who is it? 
that you're calling me to forgive today. Will you bow your heads with me today? Lord God, I pray you'd speak to every heart right now. I pray your Holy Spirit would just reveal to us, God. Who do we need to forgive? What do we need to forgive? And I thank you that there's forgiveness found in Jesus today. That God, for some, remember we feel like the immoral woman. Our sins are many. Maybe some in here feel that way today. I thank you, God, we can come to the foot of the cross and find forgiveness in you today. But I pray you'd put on every heart right now if there's anything in their heart that they need to forgive, that you would reveal that to them. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. And we give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.